I stand with Israel. I stand proudly with Israel, our most important and strategic ally. Yeah, no question. No question for me. Right now, Israel is under attack. Uh, they are once again facing incoming rockets from Hamas. The terror organization Tel Aviv bombarded all night long. There has been a lot of back and forth. Now, Hamas says that Israel was the aggressor. Israel says no. Whoever started this thing, I can tell you, I bet that Israel is going to finish it. Again, our most important strategic ally, and a lot of us consider them brothers and sisters. You know who did? President Trump, who brokered peace between Israel and uh, several countries that weren't having any kind of relationship with Israel. It really was something else. And then Joe Biden gets there. Joe Biden on January 20th and uh, doesn't even bother to give him a call. Doesn't call them until he's in office almost a month. And now he seems to be playing it right down the middle. Who wants that? The far left. The far left. They don't like Israel. They do not like Israel. And Joe, as you know, is owned by the far left. All right. Now, let's talk about President Biden. I want to make it clear that Joe Biden is president. I know there are crazy websites out there saying all kinds of things. I accept him as president. I'm sure you do. Uh, president Trump accepts that he is the president of the United States. Doesn't mean we don't have questions about the fairness of the November 2020 election. It's okay, even though the left wants to demonize, stigmatize, and well, cancel anybody who raises these kinds of questions. It's okay. You know, to this day, we don't know who got more votes, JFK or Richard Nixon. John F. Kennedy, the 35th president of the United States. It was a very close election. Some people think Richard Nixon actually scored more votes. We'll never know. Got a little bit murky in Chicago. All right. How about LBJ, president of the United States, to be sure. But did you know that history now understands that he cheated in his 1948 senatorial election? It is you almost universally accepted. Does that render him not a senator? Does it render him not a vice president and all those things that came after? No, it doesn't. He's still those things. So that brings us back to Joe Biden. Whatever we learn about November, the election and its fairness, Joe Biden is the president of the United States. But isn't it wild how they make those of us who are concerned about the fairness of the election and the fairness of the next election Look at the horrible stuff they say about us. The need by modern Republicans to now accept and promulgate the big lie. Arizona Republicans forced the audit in an effort to support the big lie that Donald Trump only lost because of widespread fraud. You see Republican leaders pushing the big lie. They perpetrated this big lie about fraud when there was absolutely no election fraud. Day, the mooch. Remember him? He's been on every side of every issue. Um, it is not a lie to have concerns about the fairness of the 2020 election. It's not. It's perfectly okay. And it was a non-standard election with COVID and all that stuff. I want to uh, take you back to uh, the days of Daniel Patrick Moynihan. Weren't that long ago. He was a great senator from New York State. He was actually a neighbor of mine. And he said something that was interesting, and he's often quoted, but it's more wrong than right. I want to put this up here, please. Everyone is entitled to his own opinion, but not his own facts. Here's the deal. Um, facts are everywhere. People are selective in what facts they pick. They are. 
They want to prove an argument. They want to make an argument. They're going to emphasize certain facts and possibly ignore others or explain away others. That's what the left is doing all the time. This is kind of how it works. Now, you can quote this guy all you want, but you can't really get away from that. You are entitled to your opinion, but you're not entitled to your own facts. So take a look at these folks on MSNBC. I watch this show fairly often. Do these look like people who are open-minded and curious about the world? I don't think so. I spent two years listening to them tell us that uh, Russia colluded with Donald Trump. Remember that? Donald Trump is an unwitting agent of Russia's Vladimir Putin. There was collusion between the Trump campaign and, and, and Putin. The possibility of collusion between the Russian government and the Trump campaign. Whether there was collusion between President Trump's campaign and the Russians. Uh, whether Donald Trump himself is just uh, a puppet for the Kremlin. They drove that phony story nonstop. They told it to each other. They started to believe their own hype. Now, here's getting back to being selective about facts and what is a fact and what is an opinion. Part of this is true and part of it isn't true. Our old friend Rudy Giuliani, controversial attorney to be sure, but a former great prosecutor and uh, a friend of Newsmax. You know what he said? This is not a fraud case. Giuliani was forced to admit in court, quote, this is not a fraud case. Rudy Giuliani had to acknowledge in court that they're not even bringing a fraud case there. He said, quote, this is not a fraud case. Factually, that is correct. He did say that in a federal court in Pennsylvania because there he wasn't talking about fraud. He was talking about standing and he was talking about constitutionality and he was talking about the procedures that they did or did not follow. According to the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania, its own constitution to vote by absentee, you have to do it um, with an excuse, with an excuse. They changed it without following their own procedures in that constitution. He was arguing a constitutional case, not a fraud case, but they left that out. They just chose what he said about fraud, said there's no fraud, even Rudy Giuliani admits it. That is so deceptive, but in its own way, it's factual. See what they do? And then they laugh at us. The base in Arizona is the one looking for bamboo threads in voting because apparently pandas are in charge of this election. I think that, that's a, I think that it's important to say that this is not what conservatism writ large looks like. This is what Trumpism looks like, at large looks like. Call it Trumpism, call it conservatism, whatever you want, but you know what? <laughs> we deserve a fair shake. You know, they chased down every ridiculous theory that ever came up, all right? Remember Donald Trump in a Moscow hotel room with all kinds of unspeakable things that happened? That crew totally embraced all of that stuff and wasted our time and wasted our money on it. And now they say we are literally insane for just having questions about the fairness of what happened last fall. But, Gene Robinson, you write about the Republicans' break with reality, literally, being one of the biggest threats to our democracy. Yeah, I, I really do think it is. I mean, if you, if you think about it, one of our two major parties, they, they, you know, they basically alternate, they go back and forth and have for, for uh many generations, uh, and, and one of them now has completely lost its mind and stands for nothing, stands for nothing except the big lie. No, we don't 
stand for border security or freedom or liberty. No, none of those things. Just what he calls the big lie. No, sir. It's concerns about the fairness of the election. And I notice a trend here. Your side is getting awfully defensive, really defensive. When we just raise the question, you call us crazy and you say we're lying. What are you guys afraid of? We just want to make sure it was fair, okay? But amid the fake news, one guy actually got it right a little bit about Trump and us. There's no policy platform here. Remember, this party had no platform in last year's election. No right. platform. It was all about the success of one person, Donald Trump. And that's enough for most voters because they see him as their champion. They see him as their fighter. They see him as their, uh, you know, battler against people in Washington who are the establishment, including their own party. And that's enough for them. That's what they want. So were you brokenhearted that there was no platform in 2020? You know how many people read the party platform? You know how significant the party platform is? It's not. It's not. It's just a document that nobody reads except a couple of political reporters, okay? It's not a big deal. Now, Donald Trump, we saw him fight for us. You saw it. I saw it. Sometimes it was amazing. Sometimes it was a little bit cringe-inducing. I personally loved it. Yes, that guy's got it right, because we saw him fight for us. The other side, they always promised they would, but they never did, did they? What I'll do as president what Donald Trump hasn't. I'll fight for you. I will fight for you. I want to fight for you. <laughs> Again, it wasn't always pretty when Donald Trump fought, but he fought. For those guys, it was just a punchline. And as we get ready for the 2022 election, it's time we take a page out of the country we bolted from a couple of hundred years ago. The UK, look at this in the Queen's speech, voters will need photo ID for general elections. Now, the fake news here will tell you, oh, that's racist. Oh, that's the worst thing ever. That's uh, voter suppression. It's not. It's totally reasonable. The UK's doing it. I think we should do it universally. All right. And this. Too often for Black Lives Matter, the organization, a black life only matters if it was taken by a white police officer. That's not true, obviously. And we've been highlighting the lives and the lives lost of so many black children. What a tragedy. And so much of this is avoidable. This is 12-year-old Devell Johnson Jr. He was shot and killed in Davenport, Iowa on April 22nd. He was riding his bike with three friends. Witnesses say a black SUV stopped and someone in the vehicle fired eight shots in the direction of the boys. Devell died at the scene. Another young boy was hit by a bullet but was quickly treated and released from the hospital. But the family says Devell was a smart young man with many hobbies, loved to swim, dance, play video games, and, and basketball. And he was always smiling. Family members released orange balloons at a vigil for him. No arrests have been made. Police in Davenport, Iowa, are still asking the community for tips in trying to solve the case. Devell Johnson Jr., just 12 years old. We'll be right back. 
Big news from the app world. The Newsmax TV app has been downloaded more than 5 million times since Election Day. It's one of the most popular apps on both iPhones and Android devices. Plus, it's free. So go to your app store now and you'll get easy access to Newsmax.com for top news. Plus, you can watch Newsmax TV anytime, anywhere. And remember to sign up for app notifications so you never miss a breaking news alert from Newsmax. Download the free app now. Takes just seconds. Newsmax TV. Watch us anytime, anywhere. Have you checked out the Newsmax Daily Podcast with me, Rob Carson? You get daily news, insightful commentary, and believe it or not, comedy. Check it out wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts or at NewsmaxTV.com slash podcast. All I can say is that the fake news just doesn't get it, do they? They don't. Wow. All right, folks. After a year of uh, bashing cops, defunding cops, delegitimizing cops, stigmatizing cops, making fun of cops, what do you think is going to happen, huh? This. The explosion in gun violence over the last 72 hours. New body cam, the officer saving a four-year-old girl shot in Times Square in Colorado, six killed in a birthday party massacre across the U.S. Over 400 people shot over the weekend. What's behind the spike and the new warning for summer? Yep. Saw this one coming, didn't you? Now, Lester was really driving a lot of the anti-police rhetoric out there. Coverage, so one-sided. And now he's like, oh, uh, how did this happen? He literally asked this question. Tom, are the experts giving any reasons for the uptick? Lester, they're giving a combination of factors. They say it's more fallout from the pandemic, financial security, including unemployment, issues with mental health, and of course, law enforcement factors. There is low morale at police departments across this country. Lester. Tom Yam, it's great to have you joining us. Thanks. Uh, you think? Law enforcement factors. And yes, morale has taken a dive because the mainstream media went after him. And everybody on the street, take a look at this. How would your morale be if you had to deal with this? This actually happened. They delegitimized law enforcement, and now we're living with the consequences, aren't we? Just a terrible thing, and we saw it coming. We saw it coming. Uh, folks, a co-conspirator in all this is Rahm Emanuel. Boy, talk about a swamp steak. <laughs> this guy. He got a new job. He's heading to uh, Japan as the ambassador. Now, he was mayor of Chicago. Screw that up. He was chief of staff to Barack Obama. No great shakes there. Uh, but what I really got to notice was when he spoke about COVID in the very early stages, this guy was excited to lock us down. Watch. He is not going to be able to have his rallies. And it is going to psychologically, the office is isolating enough. And his inability to get the admiration, the adulation from that crowd is going to psychologically torment him. And his isolation is going to get more intense and his tweets are going to get more vicious. March 8th, 2020. They're talking about shutting down everything, right? He doesn't care about that. Look at him again. He's excited about the political consequences for Donald Trump personally, okay? He's slowly, he's smiling. He's excited. He is excited at the prospects of locking down Donald Trump and all the other things they can do because of COVID politically. Wow. Good luck in Japan. All right. You ever watch the Morning Joe show? Some people call it the Morning Swamp. 
Uh, it features Joe Scarborough, a former Republican congressman from uh, the panhandle of Florida. He's totally lost his mind, and he's totally full of himself. Look at how he asks a question. Now, he's asking a question this morning on the show of a panelist. Who asks a question that takes uh, 15 minutes? Watch. Casey Hyde, uh, first of all, congratulations last night. Your organizing principles, uh, the parties organized around in 1980, Ronald Reagan's goal was to balance the budget. We were small government conservatives, but also the governors and the state legislature passing legislation. Even in the state of flight, Kevin McCarthy is going to seal the Republican Party's fate. Uh, pretty remarkable events that are going to be occurring today and tomorrow on Capitol Hill. That's how they ask a question in the swamp. That's how they, okay, not 15, a minute and 41 seconds. Um, they're not interested in the answer, especially Joe, all of them. They're not curious. They don't care. They think they're smarter than everybody. They've already got their mind made up. And it's pretty sad, actually, and they're doing nobody, nobody any good. I'll be right back. If you've had it with the old news and the same spent, well, then Spicer and Company is your place for the inside story and for the facts that you need to know. George Floyd, as he was being arrested by, were actually being killed by Officer Chauvin a year ago. Country has been through a lot over this moment. Uh, we saw the trial, and then last summer we had riots, and you know a lot of people were talking about this case. Obviously, um, everywhere. But imagine a situation where if you said the wrong thing about the case, according to one person, you could potentially lose your job. <laughs> Connie Gardner, our next guest, is in jeopardy of losing hers because she said something I believe totally reasonable about this case. Connie Gardner joins us right now. She's a special education teacher at Lathrop High School in Fairbanks, Alaska. Uh, Ms. Gardner, uh, thank you so much for being with us. How are you? Uh, thank you. I'm fine. So, look, I'm so sorry you went through this. Uh, we're going to play the portion, <laughs> allegedly controversial in a moment. But just if you okay. would set the scene for us, this is April 28th, and this is just a, a normal Zoom class because of COVID, right? Yes. It's a blended class. So there were students in the classroom and students on Zoom. And how many students altogether? And I guess some parents were involved as well, right? Fifteen students. How long have you been teaching at the school? Eight years, um, four years at the school. All right. So uh, it's just another day of COVID instruction. And um, here's what you said about the George Floyd matter that got you in trouble. Uh, part one. I do not agree that Darren, that the Chauvin guy was right. I think he abused his authority, and I think that he that he went too far, and I think that he was complicit in George Floyd's death. I think that there were many factors that contributed to it, and that was one of them. But if George Floyd had, at the beginning... When they got him out of the car and went to put him in the police car, if he had just sidled into the car and slid in there and got, you know, let them put his legs in, 
He would be alive today, and you know that's true. And Connie Gardner, that is a factual statement. That is, I mean, inarguable. You are 100% correct. Can I just ask you, you didn't get in trouble. You got in trouble really for the content of what you said, not that this topic was brought up and it had nothing to do with the subject at hand, right? Um, I got in trouble because the, the parent who recorded the video called and made a complaint. And the complaint was your opinion not about, well, they shouldn't be talking about this uh, in class because you were talking about something kind of roughly related to this, uh, accusations, criminal justice, correct? Yes, I was. What was the topic, please? Um, we had just seen the movie To Kill a Mockingbird. We didn't have time to read it. I teach students with reading uh, disabilities and writing disabilities. And uh, so we saw the movie instead, and we were talking about the, you know, racism in the, in the movie how um, the Jim Crow laws were at that point in time and how um, how it was, you know, it was a very sad time for our country. And we got to the point where we were discussing how Tom Robinson, one of the main characters, was killed. And when one student, you know, responded to that question and said, well, you know, he was shot in the back trying to escape, another student said, well, that's just exactly what's happening in our, in today. Right. So this and is something so that naturally came up related to To Kill a Mockingbird. Anybody can see how someone might bring up current events. And here's the next part of the conversation that, uh, Again, got you in trouble. Uh, I totally disagree with this, by the way, that you should be in trouble and under suspension right now. We'll get to that. But part two, please. Justly or unjustly, if the cops come and they say, I'm taking you to jail, then you put your hands behind your back. You let them off you. You get in the cop car and you go and call your parents when they give you your phone call. That's what you do to stay alive. Everybody, white, black, brown, I don't care what color you are. That, by the way, is potentially life-saving advice, Connie. Uh, it really is. So we'll play the clip where a mother uh, gets upset because you're having, you have the nerve to speak about this and you're white. And she thinks that white people can't talk like this somehow and somehow that's not racist. We'll get to that. But uh, they brought you in, and what did they say? How did they suspend you? How did they put it to you? Um, it was at the end of that day, and I knew that the investigation was already underway because one of my paraprofessionals, well, not mine, but one of the paraprofessionals who works in the classroom had um, gone out of the classroom for a few minutes and came back and said, they've already questioned me about this. So I knew the parent had made a complaint and I knew I was going to be put on uh, administrative leave until it was sorted out. You know, parents complain about stuff all the time when you're a teacher, right? I mean, it's not, it's part of the job almost and everybody's kind of ultra sensitive these days, but you are right now under suspension, no indication when the suspension will be lifted or when you'll come back? None at all. You are being paid right now or are you not? I am being paid. All right. So 
here's the part where the mother, uh, one of the moms, uh, gets upset and takes issue with your race, which I think is uh, deplorable that, that she should mention this, but here we go. Miss um, Gardner, I don't feel like um, you're really able to address um, with you being a white woman. No, I am a woman of color. That's where you're wrong. I am a woman of color who has lived in the South. I am a woman of color who has lived in the South, who was born and raised in the South, who experienced racism firsthand, even when I was a child, even when I was a child. And so some of the things that you are saying, I feel like you are very uneducated on, and I don't feel like that you are able to address these um, these things that are going on in the world today, especially correctly, because you have a different you have a different perception of what is going on. I have to point out to that woman, and she said she's a woman of color, that not all people of color agree with her. <laughs> and not all people of Caucasians might agree with us, Connie. It seems very obvious. Um, did you realize you had a big problem on your hand, potentially, uh, when she started to you know, get emotional like that? I did. And it wasn't very long after that. She continued to rant like that, and, and I had to... Um, I had to close her out of the Zoom meeting. The, my students were getting visibly upset. Their teacher was being berated, and they, were, they weren't happy. You know, it's one thing if LeBron James has a debate with Donald Trump Jr. on Twitter about this stuff, and, and, and they can fight it out, and they do, and we watch. But when it starts to impact people with regular jobs in the real world, I think it's extremely unsettling, scary, downright scary. How has the community been? Fairbanks, Alaska, this has got to be the talk of the town. Are you on your own? Do you feel like you're supported? What's it like? Up until just recently, I did feel very alone. I mean, I have my husband and my son here in Fairbanks, and um I hadn't heard very much from many of my coworkers. A couple of them were supportive, but I hadn't heard very much from anyone else. And, um, you know, all of the negative things that I was seeing on the YouTube um, video and then the, the local newspaper did a story and there were, you know, some negative comments there. But then I started to realize that most of the comments, probably 80% were very supportive. And, you know, people were saying, what's wrong with what she said? I don't hear anything racist in it. Well, you are not alone. And some people are scared to come forward. And I'm sorry that's the case. That's the situation that our country finds itself in. Uh, there is a GoFundMe page that has been set up um, in your name, and uh, you can go look. Connie Gardner's legal fees and expenses. Are you thinking about a lawsuit? Tell us a little bit about the legal fees, and then I'm sorry we got to go, but please keep in touch, Connie. What expenses are we talking about here? Well, I have been defamed. Um, I have been permanently injured, and I am going to take it as far as I can take it through the court system. I told my students that you, uh, you know, you fight your fights the, in the right way through the legal system. And that's what I plan to do. I know you just watched the movie. The class watched the movie. Maybe we should all read the book. 
to kill a mockingbird, which had something to do with not giving in to the mob. <laughs> exactly. Uh, Connie Gardner, so appreciate you uh, and what you're doing. I'm sorry this has happened, but who knows? Maybe something magnificent can come as a result. Connie Gardner, Lathrop High School. Uh, sorry. Sorry? <laughs> Lathrop. Ah, L-A-T, Lathrop. Um, when I get up to Fairbanks, I'll uh, get it right next time. Connie, okay. thank you very much, and um, stay in touch, okay? Thank you. All right, all the best. We'll be right back. Tonight, television history will be made on Newsmax at 9 p.m. East Coast, 6 on the West. No more Sean Spicer repeats. We've got Cortez and Pellegrino, the debut show hosted by Steve Cortez and Jen Pellegrino, uh, two amazing journalists and media personalities and professionals. Hey, guys, uh, welcome and congratulations. You just got a couple of hours uh, for showtime. Are you ready, Steve? Yeah. Yes. Ready, to, ready to rock and roll. So oh. excited. Totally great. Totally great. Steve, I met you briefly. So, uh, Jen, this is it. This is the first time. Jen, Tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, where do you come from and uh, what makes you tick, if you don't mind? Hey, well, thanks, Greg, for having us on. Uh, you know, I came from working at another network. I worked at the White House, covered uh, the Trump White House, as well as some of the Biden White House. I did a lot of uh, coverage on the road, going to various Trump rallies around the country, meeting so many great Americans. Um, I worked uh, in business for a little while. I worked uh, behind the scenes in news for a while. So got a background, uh, you know, varied experiences, but a lot of time really out on the road, meeting a lot of Americans that support the America First movement. Mm. So really excited to be their voice here at Newsmax. And a lot of time on the road, you running on those roads in sneakers. <laughs> you've you've run. True. How many marathons have you actually completed? I've completed 67. Um, so I don't know if that's a, a, a great idea. Um, I just I did one and I said I was one and done. And then I was hooked on it after that. Um, and so I really enjoy it. It's a, it's a good outlet. I guess there are worse addictions to have. <laughs> yes, indeed. Well, good for you, Jen. <laughs> Steve, uh, I am not in the marathon club. How about you? <laughs> you know, I did one, but that was many moons ago, a few pounds ago. Uh, no interest in doing one again, that's for sure. Well, Steve, you really distinguished yourself in 2020. You know, you were one of the chief spokesmen for uh, Donald Trump and the reelection campaign. You did a fabulous job taking on the fake news. Uh, there you are actually with the president in the Rose Garden. Pretty cool. But this is a bit of a change for you. You are going to be the host, not the guest. Yeah, correct. So I've been a pundit and observer for quite a long time, now getting to the other side of the desk as a host. Uh, and I just view it as an incredible opportunity for Jen and for me, but most importantly, for the movement, for the America First movement. And I'm trying to implore all the deplorables out there. Uh, it's easy to become despondent because uh, things are dire right now in America, and they are. And we have to be realistic about that. We can't be Pollyanna-ish. But at the same time, this movement is incredibly young. It is growing. And I think this show, like your show, can be an accelerant. It can be part of the platform to make this movement even more powerful, even broader, even bigger. And to get specific, those are sort of grand goals. To get specific, 
in 2022, let's elect an America first, not just a Republican Congress, an America first Republican Congress. I think it's absolutely critical for this country. Biden in only four months, not even four months of this experiment with him in the White House has done immense damage. Um, so there's great urgency to it. And again, I hope that Jen and I, I hope we can use this show as a platform to speak for people who feel like they're voiceless in the political process, for all those deplorables out there, for the hardworking men and women of America who are forgotten by powerful elites. They won't be forgotten on this show, uh, Cortez and Pellegrino. All right. Well, I've seen you both in action and uh, separately, and you're both amazing at what you do. All right. So, uh, you know, co-hosting. How's the chemistry so far? How do you guys get along? Uh, I'm sure it's great, but uh, any... Any on-air matches uh, can be interesting. What's it like so far, Jen? <laughs> you know, I think we're uh, we're doing pretty well so far. It's funny, Steve and I actually met for the first time at the presidential debate in Cleveland, Ohio, last fall. Uh, I had been trying to get an interview with him for the longest time, and he was just dodging me. So I don't know what that was all about. <laughs> uh, I guess you know I got lucky because finally we're here on set together, uh, and we're going to have a lot of time together. But we're having a great time sharing stories, um, and I think it's just going to be a great show. There's some good chemistry between us, and uh, we're like-minded. But then there are things that we disagree about as well. Sure. So it'll be interesting to you know, watch Greg, that. <laughs> Greg, I would tell you, I, I grew up with four sisters. Uh, right now I have a wife and I have three daughters. I <laughs> also have a boy. But my point is I've been surrounded by strong, smart women my entire life. So I know that the best thing often to do is to let them tell me what to do when the time is right. Excellent. What a great game plan. I love it. Thank you. Uh, good luck. We'll be watching. And uh, this is going to be great. I can feel it tonight at nine o'clock. Uh, the Cortez and Pellegrino show, sometimes known as the Pellegrino and Cortez show, I hear. Uh, it's going to be fantastic, and uh, we'll be watching. Sh sorry, Sean Spicer, we, uh, we won't have any reruns of you at 9 o'clock, but we'll watch you at 6. To be continued, okay? Come back anytime. Thank you. Thanks, Greg. You bet, you bet. Hey, Sinchfield, welcome to the new guys, huh? This Man. is, uh, this is, we need this. This is going to be good. It comes right after your show, by the way. How great is this, Greg? Just to watch Newsmax, the lineup solidify itself as we bring this such an important message. I'll tell you, I'm excited for this new show, Greg. I really am. All right. Uh, in the meantime, you got your own show to worry about. <laughs> What's on tonight? Yeah, well, that, that, that is true. Look, there's some big news surrounding the NRA. Uh, the mainstream media is thinking this is the end of the NRA. Not the case at all. I've been talking to some insiders. I'm going to give you some key takeaways from this bankruptcy ruling that really put the NRA in some pretty good shape here. So we're going to talk about that. And Matt Gates coming up to talk about the Liz Cheney vote tomorrow. All right, Greg? Oh, That's yeah, Liz you. Cheney. Won't be, uh, won't be seeing her no more, I think. <laughs> to quote Goodfellas. I think so. <laughs> uh, thanks so much. Have a great show, and I'll be right back. The carnage in Israel, that country again under siege. The terrorist organization Hamas, rockets, more rockets fired into Tel Aviv tonight. Casualties on both sides. As I made quite clear, though, I stand with Israel in this uh, latest skirmish, which is very intense, perhaps the most intense we've seen in seven years. What's happening? What happens next? Let's bring in our experts, please. We have Ellie 
Kohanem, visiting fellow, Independent William, Women's Forum, former Deputy Sec Special Envoy to Combat anti-Semitism, and Representative Lee Zeldin, Republican of New York, House Republican Israel Caucus co-chair. Welcome to you both. Uh, Congressman Zeldin, first to you. Um, President Trump is pretty tough on Joe Biden. I happen to concur uh, with his opinion. How much responsibility does Joe Biden bear? He seems to have botched our very precious relationship with Israel. Uh, you're, you're so right, Greg. And what we saw during the Obama administration was that it felt at times like we were treating Israel like Iran and Iran like Israel. And then President Trump comes in and for four years with an understanding our adversaries do not respect weakness. They only respect strength. How great was it to be treating Israel like Israel and Iran like Iran? The Obama, uh, the Obama administration days should be long in the past, but the Biden administration comes in and whether it's for legacy, uh, it's to just try to erase whatever President Trump was working on. Uh, it, we have now reached that point where, once again, we're treating Israel like Iran and Iran like Israel. The Biden administration has uh, a ton of responsibility here to not just uh, back up Israel's inherent right to self-defense, to stand shoulder to shoulder with our nation's greatest ally, to view an attack on Israel like it's an attack on the United States, but to back it up with actions, not just words, but actions, too. Uh, Congressman Tlaib said this because anti-Semitism seems alive and well in the far left Democrat Party. Maybe not so far left anymore. Maybe this is uh, throughout. But listen to this, Ellie, and then I'd like you to comment. Enabled by Netanyahu's racist and anti-Palestinian rhetoric that he continues to spew uh, based on his leadership and, and based on uh, past comments. Um, you know, Mehdi, this is an apartheid system. I mean, they are clearly supporting uh, state government violence towards those that are uh, pr in, in the process of praying, those that are seeking medical assistance. I mean, they attack the medical clinic. I mean, it goes on and on. The anti-Semitism of the squad is uh, well known, and we're seeing more of that, Ellie. Yeah, you know, Greg, I have to tell you that Congresswoman Tlaib is rather confused because um, all she does is really spew a lot of lies and propaganda against Israel. And specifically her claims about worshipers, um, you know, the Israeli police went out of their way to allow all Muslim worshipers to worship up on the Temple Mount last week. And so um, none of the violence here is about Israeli actions. It's about Hamas. Hamas are terrorists. And uh, as Representative Zeldin just said, um, the U.S. policy right now is just backwards. We need to be holding Hamas accountable. We need to be holding their funders accountable, which is the Iranian regime. And I'll tell you something, Joe Biden can end this conflict immediately right now. There's one very simple step he can take, and that's to end the Vienna talks and let the Iranians know that the United States will not tolerate terrorism, just like President Trump did when he let all the terrorists know that the U.S. wouldn't tolerate terrorism. And that's why we had peace and quiet for four years. Well, Ellie, I think uh, Joe Biden has a lot of other phone calls to make first. And for instance, after he became president, he called just about everybody but Israel. I think we have a graphic uh, summarizing all of the leaders he talked to before actually picking up the phone and talking to Bibi. Uh, that is something. I think he didn't get on the phone with uh, Prime Minister Netanyahu until February 16th. That is... Um, in diplomatic uh, talk and circles, that's a that's a deliberate snub, isn't it, Congressman? Yeah, absolutely. And he was basically finally bowing, succumbing to pressure from 
the rest of us here in the United States views the U.S. as a relationship as something that is so uh, important strategically, uh, emotionally, passionately between our two countries. We want to strengthen that alliance. And finally, President Biden gets on the phone to have this conversation. Uh, I, I believe, and as Elliot just pointed out, we have these talks that are going on in Vienna where the Biden administration is tripping over themselves to try to reenter the Iran nuclear deal. Uh, once again, reassuming that position of weakness to get rolled at the table by the Iranian regime. Part of these sanctions cut off the funding to groups like Hamas, which are launching these these rocket attacks into Israel. Uh, so the right moves here, uh, as you think five, ten steps ahead, is make sure that we are being strong and standing shoulder to shoulder with Israel. Uh, that we are not doing this whole both sides thing where when a, a rocket is launched by a terrorist and an innocent Israeli citizen, that you have to go after both Israelis and Palestinians uh, and also look at the long game here and stop being so weakness and get weak in getting rolled uh, by the Iranians with the talks that will end up releasing funds to groups like Hamas. Uh, Ellie, finally, uh, Joe Biden, was he always like this? I mean, let's face it, a lot of us believe that Barack Obama is calling the shots here and his chilliness toward Israel, uh, we all could see uh, and we saw it in his actions and also in his demeanor. Joe Biden, has he all, at times he's been somewhat pro-Israel, hasn't he, throughout his career? You know, I think a lot of people like to portray Joe Biden as a moderate, but I'll tell you something. Since he's come into office, we're only a, a few days north of 100 days in office, and look what we're seeing in the Middle East. Complete disaster, I would tell you, on U.S. foreign policy, because instead of staying strong with our allies, Israel, the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia, and others in the region, we are distancing ourselves from our allies, and we are warmly embracing the Iranian regime, which, you know, every day is still chanting death to America. It makes no sense. And I would tell you, Greg, that what we're seeing, this escalating violence in Israel, is a direct, direct line consequence of U.S. foreign policy. And so I hope that if Joe Biden believes himself to be a moderate and a centrist in the Democrat Party, he'll do the right thing, which is, again, letting the terrorists know that the United States stands strongly behind our ally Israel and that we won't tolerate um, any terrorism or terrorists. Love it. Ellie, thank you. And Congressman, thank you. And uh, you're running for governor. It's official. You're running for governor right here in New York. And uh, we'll see if Cuomo, do you think Cuomo is going to be your, uh, your opponent? Does he last that long? I only got 10 seconds left. He's saying he's not going anywhere. Three terms was too much. He's saying he's going to run for a fourth. We'll be ready for him if he can miracle himself onto the ballot. All right. Good luck to be continued both. Thanks so much. We'll be right back. Ultimately, I'm always right. President Trump has a great relationship with the Queen. Did you know that? And the Queen of England uh, two days ago came out with a great idea, great proposal in her big speech. Voters will need photo ID for general elections. Hey, the Queen's speech. Remember the King's speech? The King with the Stutter? Remember that? Good movie. Anyway, voters will need photo ID for general elections. That makes total sense. We should be doing it here. Uh, back to the special relationship that Donald Trump has with the Queen uh, when they first met. Let's take this full and take a look. Um, I'm told that President Trump told the Queen 
about how fond his mother was of the Queen. His mother's from Scotland, you know, or was from Scotland. Anyway, uh, we hope this happens. And the president put out, the former president put out a great big statement. The government of the United Kingdom is proposing that anyone who wants to vote in a British election should show photo ID to eliminate any corruption and fraud and ensure the integrity of elections. This is exactly what we should do in the United States. Who can argue with that? Slam dunk. I'll see you tomorrow. Stand by for Stinchfield and then the Cortez Pellegrino show after that.